this morning. Called by name is going to take a seat as well. And uh, if you've got uh, young people you want to send to kids camp, now's a good time. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'll settle in. Well, uh, this is our last uh, Sunday of the summer. I mean, everything gears up for us. You're going to hear at uh, announcement time that, uh, man, everything's really going to uh, get going and gear up. And I uh, tell you what, I'm already tired. Uh, just, you know, wow. Yeah, I am. I'm already tired. And, but, you know, God is doing great stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you get to this place and, and uh, it's important that before the summer ends that we, we visit one more site. Uh, because this site reminds us of what we need to build into our lives in order to face whatever tomorrow holds. Uh, the site we're going to go to this morning is this site right here. Uh, it is the Western Wall. And uh, you can see it's the Western Wall there and uh, the plaza that surrounds it. Here's another, another view of it. Uh, and you can see it's a pretty, pretty uh, big space. And, and uh, uh, that little section right there in front of you is, uh, is that Western Wall. Some of you may know it by another term, though. What's the other term? Wailing Wall, right? Yeah, the other term is the Wailing Wall, uh, uh, or uh, sometimes people will call it the Place of Weeping. Uh, the reason it's got that name uh, is that, um, well, this is a significant site to our brothers and sisters from the Old Testament. Uh, and when Jerusalem was destroyed, they were exiled, of course, from Jerusalem. And over the centuries, eventually, they were allowed. And at one point, they were allowed to come back only like on one day a year to come back to Jerusalem. And when they would come back, they would come back to this section of the wall. And they would just weep and mourn at the loss of the temple. And that's why this site has become so significant. If you look at the, uh, at the next uh, picture, you can see folks uh, at, at the wall and... You can see kind of that barrier there that's in the middle of the picture, and there's a separation that takes place on the, on the uh, left side. The upper side of the picture is where the men uh, approach the wall, and on the lower part is where the, the women uh, approach the wall. Um, and it's massive uh, in its nature, at least the stones. If you look at the next picture, you get a better sense of how massive the stones are. Um, this section of the wall... Uh, was constructed by uh, Herod the Great in about 19 uh, BCE uh, when Herod decided to expand uh, the Temple Mound. And so, interestingly enough, this section of the wall is probably uh, a retaining wall that was built as he just expanded the surface of, of the Temple Mound uh, itself. The section that you saw in the plaza is 187 feet uh, in width there. Um, and from the floor of the plaza there where the men are standing to the top of the wall that's exposed, it's 67 uh, feet high. What you don't see is that the wall also extends under the earth another 43 feet below the floor uh, of the plaza. There are 45 courses of stone in total. 28 courses of stone are above the plaza floor. 17 courses are below the plaza floor. And you can see in the picture here about what, five, one, two, three, four, five, and just the tip of the sixth one there. Um, seven of those layers from the plaza floor, seven of those layers that are exposed 
are probably from that time period when Herod expanded the Temple Mount. And so they're probably from that time period where Jesus would have walked in this arena. Uh, And so the uh, Wailing Wall becomes a significant place not only for our Old Testament brothers and sisters, but uh, for we who've grown out of that heritage, knowing that Jesus was also part of that. And you look at the stones themselves, they're quite massive. Um, uh, they, they estimate that the stones, depending on their size, of course, weigh anywhere from uh, two to eight tons apiece. Can you tell me, somebody, how, how in the world did they get two to eight tons stones built up like that in that era? Uh, cranes, I don't think, existed at that time, right? Like we have them. Isn't that amazing? Now, when you go to the wall, what's amazing about the wall is not just you know, the nature of its structure, Right? I mean, that's pretty impressive in and of itself. What's really amazing about the wall is what it's really, not just the stone, but what it's really built up upon. Right? And, and you can see it in the next picture. You see this, this man, obviously, just in prayer and devotion. But do you notice what's right to his left shoulder there? You see that crack and crevice right there to the left shoulder? See all those wads of paper that are just kind of wadded in there? Right? See, one of the experiences of being at the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, is that when you're there, you, you take a piece of paper and, and you just write your prayers specifically on that prayer. And then you wad it up and you just jam it as best you can into those cracks and those crevices. Here's another picture of a young man in devotion. And can you see again over his left shoulder there, uh, all the paper, all the, the yeah, all those little shreds of paper that are in there. And then the, the final picture shows you, too, that any crack or any crevice in the wall becomes an opportunity to put prayer into the experience. What I want to suggest this morning is that as our time comes to end, the summer comes to a close, is that one of the things we need to make sure we do in our summer experience as we get ready for the next activity year and life keeps unfolding is that we build this kind of wall in our life. That is, that that we build the experience of prayer in our life. The Wailing Wall is there as, as a place that just calls the people of God to come and just be in devotion and prayer and just, just you know, put into the very cracks and crevices all of the prayers and the concerns uh, of His people. We know He wants us to do this if we go to uh, Colossians 4, uh, 2. It says there, devote yourselves in prayer, being watchful and thankful. Notice the beginning word. It says, devote yourself. How significant is that word? Pretty significant, right? It means get serious about this now, right? And now remember, Scripture is there for our good, okay? And so it's telling us, look, if you want your life to become what God wants your life to become, one of the key things you need to build, that you need to construct in your life is to make sure you construct the experience of being devoted to conversation with God. That you get serious about being devoted to the experience of being in that conversation with God on a repeated basis. Look again uh, at the wall. Can you count how many prayers are in that little crack in that crevice? Impossible, right? 
They're just heaped up in there. They're just pressed in there, one on top of the other, 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 right? The invitation for us is to build that kind of prayer experience into our life. If you look at the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians, he says, Be joyful always, and what? How often? Exactly. Just like the wailing wall, right? Just like those prayers that are in every crack and every crevice. You just build one upon another, upon another, upon another, upon another, upon another. The experience too often in our prayer life is something happens. And then we say, oh, we've got to pray about that. And then we pray about that. And then we say, good, okay, prayed about that. Put it before the Lord, done deal, okay, moving on. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that we're supposed to pray continually. It's, it's like the wall, right? That we just, just mount up our prayers in every crack and crevice. We just keep mounting up our prayers. That we pray about it, and then we pray about it again, and then we pray about it again, and then we pray about it again. That we build and construct that experience of prayer and repeat it, bringing before the Lord of our concerns. That our prayers are not something that's just a, a one-time drop it in the hat of the Lord and then walk away. If you look at the next peer, picture, that really brings it, uh, for me at least, brings it kind of kind of clearly into perspective. Do you notice something unusual in that picture? You notice anything unusual? Let me give you a hint. You notice anything unusual in that picture? Chairs. You see them? You see the chairs? Now, these guys are serious about making prayer continually. You see, they're not just going to come there for a few minutes, you know, kind of stand at the wall and say a little prayer, write a script, stick it in the wall, walk away, say, okay, done, did that. No, they're coming there, and they are sitting before the Lord, and they are praying and praying and praying again and praying. They're sitting in a chair. And notice those chairs are not those foldable, comfortable camping chairs that we all have. You know, those little things that fold up real quick and we throw them in the satchel and throw them in the back of the car and off we go. No, these are chairs that are they're, they're just there. They're there to weather the storms and they're going to be there every day. You see how this, this wall reminds us of the importance of building on a continual basis this experience of entering into dialogue with the living God. Just sit in a chair. Sit in a chair. Have the conversation and have it again and have it again and have it again. We get that encouragement from Paul in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 says, And pray in the Spirit. Now look what I highlighted for you. Why don't you say it with me? On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. How many? All, all. Right? You see, the invitation for us is to pray about absolutely everything. Just, just, just pour it out. Continue. Be over and over again. Just, just pour. Share what's on our heart, what's in our life, what's in our experience. Uh, most of you parents out there just had a significant day go by, uh, probably this this last week, right? When your kids were back at school for the first day. I mean, significantly, not only because you said, oh, well, they're back, <laughs> right? But uh, the significant thing was when they came home, right? When they came home. When they came home, mom, dad, they came home, the kids are there, and you sat down, and he said, how was your day, right? 
So what you do? Tell me about your day. What, what went on? Should be anybody new? Tell me about your day. I mean, you wanted to hear every little thing, didn't you? Of course, they said, oh, it's fine. It's good. Right? But no, what did you want, mom and dad? You wanted to hear, right? You wanted to hear every little thing about the, you know, oh, the teacher was great, and I love math, and, you know, all that stuff, right? You wanted to hear, oh, and I met this new student and a new friend, and I think it's going to be great. You wanted to hear every little thing. This is exactly what your Father in Heaven wants to hear. He wants you to sit in the chair. And just pour out every crack, every crevice, every little piece, and just bring it before him. To build into your life that constant opportunity on all occasions with all kinds of requests and just bring it before him. Now, the neat thing is, he wants you to bring it before him and be specific. Be specific to do the direct ask of God and be specific. In sales, especially in car sales, you know, I, I, love, I love the line where, you know, that you sit in the car and, it, oh, it smells good and it feels good and the salesman's over here and you're in the driver's seat and you're kind of comfy and, and the salesman says, now tell me, What's it going to take to get you in this car today? Heard that line before? Yeah. Oh, isn't that a good line? I love that line. But what is he really asking you? He's saying, now look, tell me specifically, what do I need to do to close this deal? Right? He wants to know, tell me, tell me specifically, what do I need to do to close this deal? This is exactly the invitation God gives us. He, he wants to know specifically what's going on in your life. Specifically, what's weighing you down. Specifically, what, what's the burden? What's the guilt? What's the anxiety? What's the shame? Specifically, tell me what's the hope? What's the dream? What's the desire? Specifically, tell me. If you need uh, proof, you can just look at this picture of, uh, or look at James there and say, you do not have because you do not ask. He wants us to ask. Look at the picture of this woman. Don't you think she's got some specific things on her heart in that moment at the wall? That she's coming with some, some, some real specific things to pour in her heart. If, if you need more evidence, look at Matthew and Jesus himself who walked around this wall, right? Jesus himself says to his disciples, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. But what do you have to do to get the door open? Got to ask, right? Got to ask. The invitation, this is amazing when you think about this. The invitation God gives us is to get engaged in the divine dialogue of coming to a divine solution for our human problem. Do you hear that? 
The invitation is for us to get involved in the divine dialogue of finding a divine solution to our human problem. God invites us to enter into seeking the solution to bring our specific issues and hurts and problems and hopes and dreams and to place them before Him and seek a divine solution. You can see that in uh, John 16, 24. And, and what this reminds us of, because some of you are sitting there right now and you're saying, okay, I'm listening, all right, I got you. But guess what? I've asked. And I didn't get what I asked for. Listen to this text. Until now, you have not asked for anything in what? In my name. You see that? You've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you receive, and your joy will be complete. You see, remember what I just said. He's inviting us to enter into a divine dialogue. But that divine dialogue seeks a divine solution to a human experience. We're not asking for our solution. And just because we ask for our solution doesn't mean we're always going to get our solution. Because the point isn't our solution. The point is a divine solution. The outcome needs to be the divine solution. Do you remember the old, the old uh, game show where they had door number one, door number two, door number three, and the contestants stood there and got to pick which door they wanted, right? And, of course, there was always one door that was like, you got nothing, right? Do you remember that show, or am I the only old one in the room? Remember that show? How easy. I mean, if you were the contestant, what did you really want? What you really wanted was 10 minutes before the show started to go look behind door number one, door number two, door number three, and know what's behind there before you got put in the position to say, choose. Right? God already knows. God already knows. He already knows what the best outcome in your life can be according to His purpose. But He invites us to get engaged in that divine dialogue, seeking that divine solution for our very human problem. And sometimes we won't get our solution because it's just not the best thing for us. It's door number three with nothing. And He always wants more for us. What you have to build as you build this wall of prayer is not just build the experience of prayer, but you've got to build a faith that accompanies the prayer. A faith that says, God knows better. His divine wisdom is better. If you look at Hebrews uh, eleven sixteen, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. What do you have to believe? You've got to believe that He exists and that He rewards. That His divine solution will take place. And that divine solution is the best thing that can happen for us. If you look at James, James says, uh, says it this way, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, 
Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all he does. You see, it's the faith that says, Lord, I'm just going to pour this out to you. I'm going to keep pouring out to you. I just, I just want to be part of the solution here that works toward whatever your purpose is. And I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust that your outcome is the best thing that could happen. I was home uh, Thursday night, and I was in my comfortable clothes. You know those set of clothes you have? They're just kind of like your lounge, comfortable clothes. I, I've got those. I don't wear this all the time. I don't wear this shirt not at home at night. It's, so I'm in my comfy clothes. Uh, cell phone rings. Hello. This is the fire alarm monitoring system. You have an alarm at Christ Church. The fire department has been dispatched. They request your presence as soon as possible. So there went the comfy clothes pretty quick and into the jeans and the shirt and into the truck and over I came to church. By the way, I beat the fire trucks. I beat them. I beat the fire trucks in. And sure enough, I mean, the alarms are going off. The strobes are going off. I mean, everything's going off. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? False alarm. Everything was fine. You know, I mean, just one, some water got down into one monitor thing and it set off a, a smoke detector alarm and you know, so, okay, we reprogrammed this. We got that done. I got done. I said, oh, Lord, thanks. Whew. Then I went to leave the building. I thought, yeah, I should walk through one more time. So I walk through. I get back to the mechanical room, and I hear the main fire pump is rumbling. So, of course, I'm like, okay, Lord, what's going on now? Go into where the fire pump is, and the pump is just churning away, water all over the place, right? I figure, I can handle this. I can do this. I just go through the system and I push the start or stop reset button. Guess what happens? Nothing. Nothing. I got out of here eh, 11:30 at night that night because we had to call the emergency company to come over and re and the main board had been fried in our fire alarm system and uh, that's not good and I'm praying about that and I had to wait for this guy. So I'm sitting on, on a little bench we got out there. I'm sitting there and I'm talking to God pouring it out, just like I'm talking this morning. And I keep saying, Lord, what, you know, we don't need these problems. I mean, we're doing great, and, and th thank you for your blessing. But, man, why, why? And then I realized something. I realized it's Thursday night. And on Friday night, we had 400 people in this room at the same time that the fire alarm went off on Thursday night. When I realized that, you know what I said? God, you are awesome. You are fantastic. You are incredible. Right? Why? Because he had a divine solution to a problem I didn't even realize. But he already had a divine solution. Because that could have happened Friday night with 400 people in this room. You see, it's trusting. It's trusting that God's really the wise one in the relationship. And it's having that faith that says, God, you know what's best. If you look at Matthew 7, uh, Jesus reaffirms this and he, and he gives the image that we can relate to of parents. He says, you parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you, not, do you give them a stone instead? Or, or if they ask for a fish, do you, do you give them a snake? 
Of course not. That's silly. What are you talking about? So if you sinful people know how to have good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, we ask in specific because we are confident that when we enter into the divine dialogue seeking a divine solution to our human problem, that God will give us the absolute best outcome. That his wisdom is greater and he will give us the best in the best outcome. If you look at James 4, it reminds us of the place that we need to be as we construct this wall of continual prayer. The place that we need to be. He, he says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. But what's the main thing? Whatever the Lord wants. Whatever the Lord wants. The main thing is that our lives aren't here for us. Our lives are here for Him. And when we enter into that divine dialogue, seeking a divine solution to a very human problem, we do it with a faith that gets built up that says, you know, my life is but a whisper, but God, you are eternal and your wisdom is greater and I am going to trust you. I'm just simply going to trust you with absolutely everything. And an interesting thing happens when we do that. When we get to that place, when we get to that place, sit in that chair and we get to that place in our prayers and we're building them one after another, after another we get to that place. We get to that place where we realize how awesome God is. That place where we build in praise. See, I got to that place Thursday night, right? While I'm sitting there and I'm reading my Bible, I'm waiting for the workmen to come, and I realize it's Thursday night and not Friday night. All of a sudden, I say, God, you are greater, you are wiser. And I was, oh, thank you, Lord, it's Thursday. Thank you, God, it's Thursday. We build in Psalm 141 says, Let my prayer be set before you as incense the lifting of my hands is the evening sacrifice. It is that prayers that just lifts up and says, God, you are awesome. Look at the next picture, if you would. Can't you just see it in those guys at the wall? How awesome God is. Lifting up hands against the wall and just acknowledging as we sit in those chairs and we pray that everything good always comes from God. James 1 says... Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Everything good in His constant goodness is always there for us. Sit in the chair. Now, you folks that have been uh, around Christ Church for a while, you see, we have proof of everything I'm talking about this morning. We have, we have absolute proof because uh, some years ago, we started praying together uh, a prayer uh, from the uh, Old Testament, from First uh, Chronicles 4. If you guys could skip to that one, First Chronicles 4. You recognize it? Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. You see, Christ Church started praying that prayer years ago 
And look where we are today. How awesome is God? I haven't stopped praying that. Because what? You need to build up a wall of prayer that is continual. You see, the promise is that when you engage God in that divine dialogue, seeking a divine solution to a human problem, He will open the door. And it will be the right door for your life. He will expand your territory. He will put His favor upon you. And He will keep you according to His purpose. Build the wall. Get ready for the busyness of life. But build the wall in your life that is constant in your conversation with God. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks so much for being who you are, being wiser and greater, being compassionate and kind and inviting us. Oh, what a privilege, inviting us to enter into that divine dialogue, seeking that divine solution to our very real problems. Father, we just pray today. Help us to build that into our lives. Help us to to build that wall and heap up those prayers continually, just keeping that conversation with you. Help us to just trust you and know that you are great and you're good and you're worthy of our praise and honor and glory. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for opening the doors and listening to us when we ask. And so we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.